Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the show. If you are on our video stream, which is pretty much every platform these days, Twitter, I still call it Twitter, just like I call it Riverport and everything else. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch. Where else are we, Drew? What did I miss? Think you got it. I got them all. Uh, we have video stream a stream going. I want to turn this lamp on behind me. Hold on. There. See, it looks cool, doesn't it? Uh, the lamp is on behind me, as you can see behind me. The uh, downtown St. Louis looks nice. Uh, but really, what I want to point your attention to on this video stream is Drew Young looking exactly like the pitcher. That he has placed <laughs> right behind him. You guys oh, have the man. same beard. You have the same color shirt, I think. Pretty close. Um, and aside from wearing a, a blue hat and you have a white front of the hat, uh, it's, a, it's a similar look. So I just saying, you guys have the same beard. Do you yeah. not? We do. I think you do. I'm talking about Andrew Kittredge, of course, the new reliever that the Cardinals picked up for Richie Palacios. Um, I think it's a nice deal. Uh, for the Cardinals, you know, they had a log jam in the outfield. Uh, Richie Palacios is somebody that they were going to try as a fourth or fifth outfielder, but we all know that Tyler O'Neill was traded because of uh, too many people in the outfield. And now Palacios, who might go on to be the starter for the Rays, I don't know. I mean, he's going to try out to be such, but I think that they had to add another arm to the bullpen and they did so in Kittredge. I don't know that they're finished. But Kittredge provides a pretty nice reliever for them. I mean, he's coming off Tommy John surgery. So typically when you come off that surgery and you uh, attach that ligament, you do have some time. It takes some time to get back. But when you do, typically you are stronger. And hopefully that is the case with Kittredge. Uh, he is a strong pitcher for this Rays team. He actually was good in the playoffs last year. He was good for a stretch last year coming off of Tommy John surgery missed 22, but in 23, some promising returns for someone that, by the way, in 2021 was an all-star. So just go back. You might not follow the American league that closely, but in the AL East, you know, he had a very good year for the Rays in 2021 and pitched in the playoffs last year for them. I think this is a nice addition. Kittredge throws hard. His sinker is about 95. So that's a good hard sinker that drops in the zone and can get swings and misses has a nice slider that hits in the upper 80s that can get swings and misses. That's what the Cardinals needed. They, You know, you can't have ground ball pitchers anymore in bulk. The Cardinals used to be that way. 
Uh, they used to want to have as many ground ball pitchers as they could get because they had all these great infielders that could gobble the ball up and turn double plays and get you out of the inning. Well, things are a little different today with your inability to shift. And that has changed things a little bit. Those ground balls now can sneak through for hits and become very annoying and very frustrating. And it's a lot easier when you can just record the K and get a punch out. So that's what the Cardinals are trying to do. Not overwhelm you with strikeout pitchers, but they want to gain more. And they think they have done that with Kittredge here, and hopefully they can continue to improve their bullpen in that fashion. I think the rotation, I said it last week, it was like filling up a glass of water. They did what they had to do. And Cardinals fans want a little more. They want a full meal. They want some fun, and they want a chance to go win a world championship. And I think the Cardinals fans understand the task at hand was to add innings. They did that with Lance Lynn, then Kyle Gibson, then Sonny Gray. The fans, and I understand this, they want more sizzle uh, in the rotation. I think the Cardinals are still poking around there to see what they can do, and we'll see how this turns out. But with that five-man rotation, it's not bad. I mean, if I th- if I were to guess how it would go, Sonny Gray, Miles Michaelis, Kyle Gibson, Lance Lynn, Steven Matz, something like that, maybe Lynn in front of Gibson. But that would be the five. That's great. Beyond the five, what do you have? And that's the question, and that's the danger that you ran into last year, actually, when Wainwright went out. Now what do you do? They go to Jake Woodford. That didn't work. Dakota Hudson, you know, he's fine. But they had to find, they ended up not uh, tendering either of those guys. They have to find a good, uh, uh, they have to find a deeper rotation. I don't, I don't think they can ride with the five. And yeah, it'd be great to add an ace. If they can go swing a deal for Dylan Cease, that's great. But you have to go find uh, the right mix of prospects to offer the White Sox for him. Everybody's going after Cease. And some teams are closer than others because they're more willing to give up prospects. So that's a, that's a tough situation to be in if you're the Cardinals, in my opinion. Um, but I know the fans aren't going to stand for that either. I mean, they, they want action. They want movement. They're tired of getting bounced in the postseason. They're tired of potentially missing the postseason. And last year they were just flat out tired. 20 games under 500 doesn't cut it. It was a, a disaster. So we'll see how it turns out. We are going to talk to John Mosellock about all that at 1130 and kind of get some feelings on where this team is headed. I do think position-wise they're in good shape. I think the bullpen definitely improved with Kittredge, as I mentioned, and I think the rotation is back above water and now has an opportunity for this team to be good. Are they good enough to win the division? I think that they are. I think it will be a tough run in the division, but I think that they are. The question is, are they good enough to go win the World Series? As it stands right now, the the jury is out, and you know the fans are a little anxious. We'll just we'll just put it to put it mildly. So that's where we are in baseball. L- let me get into a couple of things that are happening around sports, and then we're going to r- unveil this really good guest list today. So number one on my list is very very good win for the Blues. They won yesterday two to one in a shootout over the Carolina Hurricanes. I said it early in the year. This team is going to go as Jordan Bennington goes. He is the face of the franchise, and if he can get hot. He will carry this team to great heights. They need to be better defensively. Yes, they need to have better play out of Cairo. Sure, you can point to a million things, but they are starting to show some improvements there. Robert Thomas has played his way into the all-star game. Cairo showed some flashes of brilliance. Of course, he's getting paid a lot of money to do it, so fans are always going to have high expectations for him. 
The Blues also have had Braden Shen's production disappear. They want to get, of course, more production out of all of their forwards. And then defensively, how much better can the Blues be? They needed to be a whole lot better. And Colton Pareko has done a very good job of that. Now, with Justin Falk out indefinitely, they've got to find a way to make up for that as well. So it's going to be tough sledding. And then they go out and they win two games by giving up a goal in each. The Canucks and the Carolina Hurricanes. Very, very good wins over both of those teams. Vancouver, the best team in the West. And by the way, Carolina is no slouch. They have 49 points. They are five points off the lead in the Metropolitan and in very good shape for their own playoff spot. In the Western Conference, Vancouver has 53 points. Now Winnipeg has leaped them with 54, so they have the best record in the West. But Vancouver's number one in the Pacific, and the Blues beat them, and they beat Carolina. So a very difficult stretch for the Blues moving forward, and Bennington stands up. 29 saves, 13 saves in the second period, saves in overtime, saves in the shootout. Carolina didn't score on him in the shootout. And he ends up with 29 saves as the number one star. Walker got a goal, and Nathan with a big goal for them to be the second star of the game. Uh, Shen, though, did get the goal in the shootout uh, in the fifth round. And he gets, that had to feel good. Uh, that had to feel really good for him. So he gets the goal, and the Blues win the game by a final of 2-1. to one. Next is the NFL and the playoff picture as it stands right now. Here's pretty much what it is uh, in the NFL right now. You have the big game is tonight, and that would be Buffalo and Miami. If Buffalo wins it, they win the AFC East. If they lose it, well, Pittsburgh Steelers are going to find themselves in the playoffs. And the Steelers also can get in if Jacksonville loses. So you got big, big, big Dolphins fans today in Pittsburgh. But if Buffalo wins this thing, they win the AFC East and they start to become the team that you thought they could be. They've had some bumps this year, but they are absolutely loaded. So are the Dolphins, but they lack the experience of this time of year. Case in point, last week they get absolutely torched, and they give up to the Ravens, 56 points. So they've got some explaining to do and some work to do very, very quickly. Um, That's kind of where we are in that scenario. Then the other one, I mentioned Jacksonville. If Jacksonville wins, they will claim the AFC South, Nice win for Houston. Terrible loss for the Colts yesterday. Just awful. Uh, on a fourth down, they need one yard. They take Taylor out of the game. They put Goodson into a scenario where he was only targeted nine times all season, and he has to catch a pass, and it drops. I mean, that's a tough one to live with, but he will have to move forward. I hope the best for him. Uh, as the Colts also can point to their coaching staff, not just him, or they can point to all of them. You now, the pass was a little bit offline, I guess, but not, that's not his fault. Uh, it's the running back should have caught the ball. The coach should have had a yard. You give it to your best running back. I mean, you know, but anyway, the Colts lose the game and good for the Texans. CJ Stroud's had a great year. He's had uh, the third best yardage of any rookie quarterback in the history of the league. Uh, it's a great young coach, young quarterback combo. I like what they're doing in Houston. So they made the playoffs yesterday Now, Houston will clinch the South if Jacksonville loses this game. Pittsburgh, I told you their scenario. And Jacksonville, I told you theirs. And Buffalo, I told you theirs, which shifts over to the NFC. So the the number one seed in the bye in the NFC is the 49ers. And everybody's going to be watching these games today. So Atlanta at New Orleans at noon. 
The Falcons will clinch the NFC South with a win and a Tampa Bay loss. New Orleans will clinch the NFC South with a win and a Tampa Bay loss, which of course leads us to Tampa Bay. Where are they? They're Carolina. That should be an easy win for them, but this is the NFL and you just never know. So the Buccaneers will visit Carolina at noon today. And if they win it, they win the NFC South. Minnesota Vikings can clinch a playoff berth today. They are at Detroit. They have to have a lot of things go for them. They have to win and hope everybody loses. Green Bay, Seattle, Tampa Bay. Um, There's even New Orleans factors into that. There's too much help needed for Minnesota. Dallas can clinch the NFC East with a win today at Washington. I would expect them to do that. And again, the Packers, who are 8-8, eight and eight, they take on the Bears today at 325. They will win. If they beat the Bears, they will go to the playoffs. It is that simple. Win and you're in. If they lose, then they got to hope for some help. And mostly Seattle losing. So that's kind of where we are. There's a lot going on. Now, the Chiefs will play the Chargers. The Chiefs already wrapped up the AFC West. There's no problem for them. They've got, uh, they just take care of business in the playoffs. All they worry about, they're not even going to play Patrick Mahomes or a number of starters today. They're going to rest people. But we'll have the game on KMOX at 325. College football tomorrow, Michigan and Washington. Uh, you have Michigan, a four and a half point favorite at last check. That line really hasn't moved all that much. I think that's a pretty good line if you're trying to. Uh, if you're trying to bet Washington, I think you like four and a half. I personally would be very careful with it. I think that this game could go down to the wire for sure. Kind of, as I said to Scott Jagow, I think how this game is going to play out is Washington's going to go crazy in the beginning of the game. I think they're going to Mike Vick, Mike Vick. I called him Vick again. Mike Penix, who I called a young Mike Vick when he was a freshman at Indiana, uh, will be winging that ball all over the place and will give them an early lead. But I think Michigan will do what they do, be physical, and eventually will wear down Washington and play their style of game and eat that clock. But this is a, a quarterback in Penix that they have not seen before. He was at Indiana, and he's better than he was at Indiana because he has a better cast. He has a better offensive line. He's got some great receivers, and they are dangerous. They play a great style of football that is like when we used to play out in the backyard, just go out, run this route, and I'll hit you. And that's what Vic, uh, that's what Penix does. That's all he does is fire these great long passes and trust his receivers to make the play. So that should be fun to watch it. I, I am a big fan of Mike Penix, um, but I also know how good Michigan is, and Michigan could very well lock this game up tomorrow. I think it's going to be close. I really do. I don't see one team blowing out another tomorrow in Houston. We're going to take a break. We're going to go from college football to college basketball and get you through what happened yesterday, all kinds of hoops. And then at 1030, Travis Ford, the head coach of the Billikens, will be with us at 1045, Doug Armstrong, the general manager of the St. Louis Blues. At 1115, Brian Mullins, the head coach of Southern Illinois basketball. At 1130, John Mosellock, the president of baseball operations of the Cardinals. At 1145, Chris Roseman with the St. Louis Sports Commission with the 2024. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? 
Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For Outlook, big show today, big guests. It all continues after this. Welcome back to the show. Good to be with you. We'll talk some college basketball here in just a minute. Get some comments during the break. One, are we having John Mozalek on the show? The answer is yes at 1130. Uh, the second thing was, are we pursuing uh, Trevor Bauer? Or would someone take on Trevor Bauer? Uh, I think was the question, Drew. Is that right? Was that the specific question about Trevor? Yeah, someone is asking, uh, should we take? Should the Cardinals take him uh, because of his potential upside? Yeah, so uh, he was suspended f- because of allegations of sexual abuse. Uh, those charges have been dropped, and he is currently available. He wants to get back to the major leagues. I don't think that anybody is knocking on the Trevor Bauer door because they don't want to deal with the explanation, the um, the attention that it will get, weighing that with how good he is and how much of an impact he would make to their team. There's just a lot of unknown there and a lot of uncertainty, and I just don't think teams are going in that direction right now. But that could change. I don't know. I mean, the offseason is moving along. And we're only in early January, so there's still lots of time to bring pitchers on, to give them an opportunity to sign them to deals. We're seeing pitchers get signed little by little. Uh, We still don't have a spot for Blake Snell, for Jordan Montgomery, for uh, Dylan Cease, who is likely to be traded by the White Sox. So there's just a lot still out there. Uh, You know, John Heyman reported this morning that the Yankees are not really close to any deal for Dylan Cease, but they are still monitoring the situation. Ken Rosenthal threw the Cardinals name into the Dylan Cease conversation, but said there was no known connection, but their name keeps getting mentioned. I'm sure the Cubs are going to be mentioned anytime the Cardinals are mentioned. The Cubs haven't done anything, come to think of it, in this uh, in this offseason, like nothing. Uh, the Reds have, the Brewers have, a little bit. And the only thing the Cubs did is got the manager, uh, Craig Council. But the Cardinals did get three pitchers, and I still believe that they are looking around for more. We're going to talk to John about that, but remember, he will not tell us who they're looking at. Um, he's going to give us an indication maybe if he is still looking. And my guess is that he will say that they are. I don't think that he will close the door on adding another starter, but we'll see. Uh, as for college basketball, here's the deal. The number one team in the country is Purdue, but I've got to give all the credit to Illinois for how they fought back in that game at West Lafayette. They almost knocked them off. That was on Friday night. And um, I I think that they are a very interesting team, Illinois. You know, they, they don't have Terrence Shannon Jr. He is suspended due to a rape charge. And I would not anticipate that he's going to be back anytime soon, if at all. 
So you got to turn it over to somebody who can score. And Marcus Damask has been terrific for them. I think that that's definitely something to watch here is how Illinois plays great defense to stay in basketball games. And they did that against Purdue and they almost knocked them off. I think Purdue is a very good team. Are they the best team in the country? Well, the standings say so, but I think the jury's still out there. I think that UConn, in my opinion, is the best team. The defending national champion has the best team overall in the tournament. They're going to prove to be the best team. I think Purdue has a really good Big Ten team and might well win the Big Ten, but when it comes down to it, do they have enough outside of Zach Eady when they are blanketing him to get the job done? Kansas got some help yesterday from the officials. Uh, That's just what it was. Uh, Hunter Dickinson Dickinson scored. Kansas beat TCU 83-81. He had 30 points. He scored with 3.4 seconds left. A pair of free throws after a flagrant foul on TCU's Ernest Uday Jr. that I didn't think was, and maybe a little Oscar nomination for Hunter Dickinson on that. Less than a minute to go, ties the game, and then Dickinson hits the free throws to win it. Uh, he uh, followed uh, d- d- uh, a miss in the final seconds with 3.4. Kansas gets 18 points from K.J. Adams. Kevin McCullough had 16. Really good players. Dickinson's the star of the team, but they got away with one there. TCU did not have a flagrant. I don't know how you call that a flagrant, but it's at Allen Fieldhouse. It's at Lawrence, Kansas. And KU was able to benefit from that and win it 83-81. Uh, I mentioned Mizzou's game all morning long. They lose to Georgia. I just, the thing about Mizzou is I don't love the way that they're structured offensively. They live and die by the three. I don't know that they have enough scores. I like positionless basketball, but, you know, at times I just don't think Missouri has a Kobe Brown that can bail them out of situations. He would hit a big three. He would go to the line. He would get post points. He could score from everywhere, and they lack that severely. I think SLU, we're going to talk to Travis Ford here in just a minute, just has so many issues when it comes to playing winning basketball that they've got to fix that immediately or this thing's going to really start to spiral on them. Uh, And then I think the Missouri Valley Conference is getting so much better as a conference. They're currently ninth ranked among all conferences. They showed up yesterday with Bradley flexing some muscle, hammering Missouri State, and then Southern Illinois, which has beaten Oklahoma State, which drilled SLU earlier this year, took care of business at Illinois State, but a very competitive game. I, I love the type of basketball that's being played in the Valley. We're going to hear from uh, Brian Mullins, the head coach of the Salukis, on the way at 11:15. Coming up next, though, the head coach of St. Louis University, Travis Ford on KMOX. Our Billiken Report with Travis Ford is sponsored by Royal Banks of Missouri. We welcome in the St. Louis University coach for another Sunday conversation. Good morning, coach. Hey, good morning. Uh, Lost yesterday to George Mason, 79-67. Let's start with that and your evaluation of the game yesterday in Fairfax. Well, it's, I, I thought we got off to a really good start. Um, and, and we're defending the way we wanted to and kind of we're sticking to the game plan. And then we hit a hit a stretch where we couldn't quit fouling. I mean, in total, I think they end up shooting 34, 35 free throws for the night, which is, makes it literally impossible to win on the road or anywhere for that matter. Um, and, you know, I, I, I thought it was a combination. We did foul too much. Um, I thought uh, – 
you know, some I thought were questionable, but that's part of it. Uh, but we could, we, we never could gain any rhythm defensively, and we've been really struggling defensively, very much struggling defensively. And we thought we were playing really good, tough, aggressive defense. And I just thought, you know, you know, George, the other team was being bailed out a little bit on some fouls near the basket. And a lot of these were at the end of a shot clock, or we would literally get a rebound and be headed the other way, and all of a sudden a whistle would blow. And, um, you know, so we could never gain any rhythm at all defensively or even offensively for that matter. Um, and I think that's what we're struggling with right now. Obviously, we're struggling as a team, um, breaking down film and watching it over and over. We're just we're giving up too many runs to the other team, and we're not getting any runs. We're And we have no rhythm right now. That, And a lot of that, I think, is due to the injuries we were – you know, we'd gotten our starting point guard back. Then he didn't even make the trip yesterday. So that, you know, was another injury that we were dealing with. But uh, right now we're just struggling to get any rhythm whatsoever. When it comes to get, let's go to defense, how do you, do you have to go back to the basics when it comes to being just a better defender fundamentally? as well as, as you said, learning the film, understanding what they're trying to do against you, but fundamentally getting back to breaking bad habits? Yeah, you know, it's it's a combination, Tom. It's a combination. And, you know, we've been fortunate over the last five years. I think we've had a first-team all-league defender, whether it be Yuri Collins, Jordan Goodwin, Francis Okora, Javon Bessler's Defensive Player of the Year in our league. We've been very fortunate to have – uh, you know, that one leader on your team defensively um, that everybody kind of followed. He set the tone, things like that. We don't necessarily have that right now, and that's not necessarily a knock on anyone. That's just not anybody. If you look at our starting lineup or top six or seven, that's just not their identity. Any any player, any one player, that's not necessarily their identity as a player, which was, you know, the identity of, you know, a Jordan Goodwin or obviously Yuri Collins and, and the guys that I'd mentioned. So, and I've talked to our players about this and I said, that's okay. You know, uh, we don't have to have, you know, necessarily that. You wish you had one guy that was the leader of the defense, but so, so we got to play great team defense, incredible team defense. Maybe we don't have, you know, a bunch of guys that are just one-on-one ball stoppers and guys that are just going to heat the ball up and, just lock a guy down. That's not necessarily – so we've got to play better team defense, and that's what we're struggling with, guys understanding rotations and guys understanding it. And then last night we were just getting beat off the dribble. That does come down to a lot of one-on-one defense. We are just getting beat off the dribble. So we've got to start, you know, figuring out ways to help this team be the best version of themselves on both ends of the uh, of the court. And, you know, we spent three, three months pressing for – you know, two hours of practice, and, you know, we were 4-0. and When we were 4-0, and we pressed for 40 minutes every single game. Um, hopefully we can start getting some guys back healthy and we can maybe start pressing again, mixing in some more zone, and doing, doing some things to help this team become a better team, defensive team. Because I don't look at, out there at any one person and I say, that guy is, is absolutely killing us or that guy is absolutely the guy we're going to lean on. So we got to do it as a whole 
to become a better defensive team. Yeah, I totally understand that. If you play that picking up full court, you can make the other team take them out of what they're trying to do. When you play zone, you can calm things down a little bit or at least uh, you know block the lane from any activity. But you did that last night a little bit, didn't? Not the full court, but you did play some zone last night or yesterday. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We mixed in. Uh, quite a bit we we have a obviously a, a two three zone that we could go to we have a one three one um obviously we start pressing late which it, it, you know just trying to speed the game up a little bit by that point but um you know when you press it can camouflage some weaknesses and that's what we need to be doing more of probably and it's just they've been so short of bodies um you know we we had to get back from that but uh you know, I, I think hopefully we get some guys healthy and and uh, and hopefully start playing better defense. And when it comes to offense, turnovers, are they happening all throughout the game or are they happening when you start to trail and you're trying to force something to, like, you know what I'm saying, you're down by 10 and your team says, well, we got to get 10 points, we got to get them fast, so let's let's work faster. Yeah, the turnovers are a problem, um, starting with the NC State game. For three games in a row, turnovers have really been a a, a real liability, um, and it's put our defense at a tough position. You know, we studied it last night again, and we uh, proposed the question: Are are these totally unforced? Are they being pressured into turnovers? A lot of them are being pressured into turnovers. Guys are putting themselves in bad spots, dry, you know, at the rim and not being strong with the basketball. Some of them are just bad decisions, passing-wise. We made a couple of bad decisions on the break yesterday uh, that led to turnovers. Um, you know, but several of them are uh, being caused by the defense pressuring us too much. But turnovers, no matter how they're being done or how you're doing, how you're getting turnovers, they're self-inflicted wounds that we've got to just, you know, we we should be better than that because we've proven earlier in the year. It was one of our strengths. Uh, you know, we were having we, we were really having great ball security, and now it's just gone out the door. And you know, uh, again, we were without our starting point guard last night, but we still should be able to take care of the basketball. Travis Ford is with us, and just to wrap things up, you know, I think about some of your high points as a coach at, here in St. Louis, and I think of that great moment of you piling on top of your team on the floor, you know, you're winning in the postseason, and those are such great memories, but it, you know, you, it's hard to, I think it's probably hard to get back there. And because you know what it takes to get there, you have to be able to communicate it to your players. You know, the strengths and weaknesses of your players, but you said something earlier that I think, is probably the key to all of this is that getting them to play together as a unit. You could get a, a great X number of minutes out of a certain player in this scenario, that scenario. You've got to find a way to get the right combinations going, injuries or not, as a unit defensively. Uh, that is that's a, a big task ahead. I, but is there time? Uh, yeah, I mean we're not even halfway through the season. You know, yeah, we we've got a. You know, we've got again. It's it's. I think a lot of it's been rhythm. You know, uh, Brian Kunderman, who was our SID, great SID. You know, which through last night, this has been the most combination of lineups that I've ever played since I've been here, as far as in games. 
that's tough on a team defensively and offensively. That's 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 reality. <laughs> that's uh, you know I've been playing the game my whole life and coaching it my whole life, so I know you know what what it looks like. Uh, do I think this team we could play better? But we got to make sure what team is out there on the court that we've got to get every single individual player playing up to their total ability. Um, I think we'll start reaching the best that we can be when we do get everybody be out there and we can develop some rhythm of how, you know, uh, how we want to look, you know, no different than when we were, when we were 100% healthy, we had an identity. We were pressing for 40 minutes. We were playing very up-tempo offensively, averaging only 80 points a game and, you know, had some really good wins early and started out 4-0. And since then, it's been a it's been hard to develop the rhythm that we need. Is it excuses? Absolutely. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, every, you know, uh, I'm sure everybody wishes everything in life went absolutely according to plan. Uh, but that's just not the case all the time. Um, yeah, you're right. I do understand what it takes to win, and I know what it looks like. We're not there right now. We're struggling uh, as a basketball team, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Doesn't do us any good other than get up every single morning, figure out how to get better. Last quick thing, Thames being back, that's a, a big lift, I know. What about Parker? How how soon does he come back? We don't really have, you know, hopefully sooner than later, uh, but uh, it's kind of been that way for the last whole couple of weeks. Not sure exactly. Don't have a timetable exactly. Hopefully very sooner than later. He's been doing a little bit more, um, and we're just waiting for the doctors to give him the go-ahead. Uh, and as soon as that happens, then uh, we'll start easing him back in. Uh, but you're exactly right. Kellen Thames is, uh, uh, you know, is a very important piece to our team, and it's great to have him back. He's still getting his rhythm. He's missed a lot of time, um, but we love what he brings, especially when he before he was hurt. Uh, he was probably one of our most valuable players on our team. Really appreciate your insightful answers as always. Great talking ball with you, and best of luck as you move forward, Coach. Thanks a lot. That's Travis Ford, head coach of the Billikens, with us on KMOX. 1045, Doug Armstrong, the general manager of the Blues, next. 1048, welcome in the general manager of the St. Louis Blues, Doug Armstrong. Thanks for hanging through the break. We appreciate you. How are you, Doug? I'm very good. Yourself? I'm doing great. Great to see you at the Jack Buck Awards. Congratulations on your terrific honor uh, receiving the Stan the Man Award. And congratulations on another win Last night, beating the Carolina Hurricanes 2-1 to one in a shootout. That was a good one. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was over in Europe, and I got home just in time to watch the game. I thought the guys, uh, really the last four or five or six games, have played really well. We're keeping the shot total down and uh, playing deep into games against really good competition. So there's some some positive there on uh, on our overall game right now. Yeah, absolutely. And a 2-1 win over Vancouver the night before. So defensively, certainly the team has taken it up a notch and Jordan Bennington. I mean, what can you say about number 50? I, I've continued to call him the face of the franchises, and, and this team kind of goes as he goes. Is that accurate, do you think? Yeah, well, he's playing very good hockey, but as I said, uh, as we talked about earlier, you know, we are keeping our shot total down now, so we're not we're not exposing him uh, to the high-level danger shots maybe that, that he's had to face over the last little while, but I'm, I'm, as we all know, if you give Benner the opportunity to make a big save, he could do that. And uh, we're limiting the second opportunities. And he's played very well for us. And uh, I would say that because of what he did back uh, years ago in 2019, he probably is the face of the franchise just because of his uh, epic, um, you know, rise uh, from that January all the way through that playoff and, and his steady play since. 
And I know a lot has been said about the Robert Thomas-Jordan-Kairou combo. And when you sign two players to that amount of money in that many years, that comes with the territory. This is the best league in the world. Uh, but Robert Thomas has earned an all-star spot. And I think credit needs to go to Thomas for what he's been able to do. How has he changed his game, do you think, over the last couple of years? Uh, I, I wouldn't say he's changed much, Clinton. He's just matured. I think, uh, <clears throat> you know, he, he's just entering the prime of his career now. And uh, <clears throat> we had players that, that were playing ahead of him that he was learning from, whether it was uh, Ryan O'Reilly was probably the number one guy, that, one of our one of the best 200-foot players in Blues history. I think Robert watched him not only help us offensively, but how he could be relied on defensively. And, um, you know, now as he, he watched O'Reilly and learned, he, he's been given that opportunity to take that job, and I think he's going to have it for the next decade or so. He's a, he's a 200-foot player with a very uh, gifted offensive passer, and what we're seeing now is a, a very, very accurate and hard shot, a good good release, good wrist shot, and he's scoring goals now, and he looks like a dual threat. Uh, I would say going into the year, that was one of the things that he wanted to uh, – work on was getting his shot off and, and becoming a dual threat. And now he is. And uh, so, so difficult to defend against now because he's got great, such unbelievable passing skills, uh, but he also will hold everybody accountable with a good shot. And finally, before I ask you about your experience in Europe with the world juniors and all of this prospects, the abrupt departure of Craig Berube uh, publicly, it was so quick and uh, something that I think took a lot of people by surprise. Now that we've had some time to digest it, that we've had some time to evaluate Drew Bannister, what is the difference right now? Are players being held more accountable? Is it a, a better style of play? Is it all of the above? Uh, I, I would say it's a little, all of the above. I don't, I don't think Craig, Craig never had any issue holding people accountable. <laughs> I think it was just, uh, uh, you know, the message maybe was getting stale or whatever. And I think when you, it's shock, shock treatment, I guess. And you never want to get to that point as a manager where you have to shock the team by by making massive trades or, or making changes behind the bench. Uh, <clears throat> but we did this time and we had to make that. And, and I think everyone's focus has certainly been pinpointed and it's just the nature of the, the beast in, in pro sport. And certainly in the NHL, you, <clears throat> you look at how long Craig's been here and was one of the longer tenured guys in the league at that, that time frame. And, Unfortunately, it just wasn't, uh, you know, starting last year and going through this year, we didn't seem to have that that same laser focus that you have to have to be successful. And um, we had to make a change. And Craig's in a, Craig is a great coach. He was a great coach for us for a long time. He's going to go on and coach against somewhere else. But um, in pro sports, sometimes change has to be made. Doug Armstrong is with us. The World Juniors and the Blues had seven prospects play for their respective countries. They've never had that many. In fact, no team in the NHL had more than that. You shared that with Arizona and Buffalo. Seven prospects. Tell me about your experience there and some of the players that you saw. Uh, well, it was certainly a great experience. I got over there. Uh, I left here on the 28th and just got back, back late last night. <clears throat> Sorry, got a little bit of cold over there, too. Yeah, that's all right. Um, it goes, it's I, going I, around here, too. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I, uh, you know, it was very good. Our, not only did our, our players uh, participate in the tournament, but they were they were big-time players in the tournament. You look at each, um, you know, we I think well, I know we led the goals and point and assistant point total by a wide margin uh, this year, and that's just off the back of the good play of those players. And uh, we had guys at the top of, of – their offensive categories and um, it was just a, re a really good tournament and uh, it, it's really good to see obviously 
you know, last year we we had to move move our, our rebuild. I think when we talked about this, even two, three, four years ago, uh, internally we thought this would be the first year uh, with O'Reilly and Tarasenko's contract expiring. We knew Barbashev was. We had a number of guys, and we were hoping to get through last year as a top team. And then when that didn't happen, we just expedited everything by by five months, which got us to the draft with three first rounders and. All three of those guys played in the played in the World Junior, and then and then it's what you do when you play there. They were all top players on their team too, which was really good to see. And uh, uh, you know, we oh, oh, they'll all come here to camp next year, and we'll we all be able to see a gold, a silver, and a bronze medal. So it's it's a lot of a uh, lot a lot of success, not only than just playing, but having success in the tournament. That's uh, well said, and I that was going to be my next question: is how close are any of these players? You mentioned we're going to see them next year and see them compete. And you never know. I mean, young players can break through. Yeah, they can. And, uh, you know, we, we don't want to, um, you know, w- what we don't want to do is fail the players. Uh, you see that in a lot a lot of times in the NHL. You know, people will think the players fail the team, but sometimes the teams fail the players by putting them in situations that they're not prepared for to have success. And uh, so what we want to do is we'll bring them to training camp next year or we'll, we'll look at signing them. They can, like of the five players from draft to last year, they'll all be, they were all very good players this year, leading their countries uh, in offensive categories. And they're all, they all have the uh, ability to go back to the world junior again next year. So I would say we could have, you know, anywhere between five and eight or nine, depending on this year's draft and the world junior next year also. Um, but I know they'll, they'll focus on trying to make our team and we'll have decisions to make this, this summer on whether we let them either return to Europe to play for a year, sign them and, and have them compete for a job in ours with the American League being an option. So we have a lot of uh, decisions to make. And I, and quite honestly, those decisions just became uh, cloudier based on the world junior. I would say going into it, if last December or December 15th of, of 2023, I would have thought all the players would be back in their, you know, 19 year old years in, in a different league, but they played well enough now that, that it's going to spark some conversation in our group on what's the best thing for them moving forward. Some really nice players. Jimmy Snuggerud, Otto Stenberg, fifth in the tournament with five goals. The Blues prospects, actually, all of them scored at least a goal and combined for four multi-goal games in the World Juniors. Doug Armstrong was there and reports back to KMOX and the Blues fans. We appreciate it very much. Uh, get that cold better, and we will see you real soon. Well, thank you very much for having me on, and a happy new year to you and all your listeners. Happy new year. Great to talk to you. We'll be back after the news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.